Right, hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. My word, if you could see the scenes uh, behind the scenes of what we've just gone through to get this podcast up and running. I've never had this before. We had proper issues getting on board. We've just been struggling for the last hour or so trying to get this uh, up and going. So if you are listening, we've managed to source it. Um, so hopefully this all goes to plan. But um, we're talking about another three-point weekend. Three points against Crystal Palace. Three points at home. It feels like ages since I last went at home. I think it was against Leeds. And before that, it was against Man United. So uh, I'm your host, by the way, Max Stokes, joined by Simon Lyons. Simon, how are you, mate? All good? Yeah, all good, mate. Another another three points for Villa, so feeling good. Yeah, can't complain at all, can you? And uh, if you've seen the Villa on Tour video, you'll see that we're in the loot box in the uh, Trinity stand. So we'll chat about that a little bit in this episode, our experience in there, and the reason why Simon was wearing his uh, nephew's school shoes. I feel like I've done your proper dirty on that. Like If you've seen the video, you'll know what I mean, but I, I just want to say that. You have. I apologise for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you proper, you proper did me dirty. But yeah, we'll get into that. We'll chat over the Palace game as well. Not that there's too many talking points, because like I've already said, it's not the most entertaining game in the world as well. In this episode as well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the sort of low knees that we've got going on, because that's been quite topical this weekend with um, Cam Archer obviously playing in, in Middlesbrough's 5-0 win. Aaron Ramsey getting a brace in that game as well. Louis Barry, Tim Arubin and as well at QPR. We'll talk about that in this episode, of course. And then towards the end of the episode, we'll also talk about our trip to West Ham next week, which I'm very excited. Well, I say that. It's the worst away day in the Premier League. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on just before we do crack on please do leave some reviews on spotify and apple whatever you're listening to please do leave a review because it does actually help the podcast out massively i think we hit um 100 reviews on spotify this week so that's massively massively appreciated it only takes five seconds and like i said really does help the podcast out but without further ado Let's get into the podcast. So, like I've already touched on, uh, we were in the loot box, weren't we, Si? I don't think you weren't originally meant to be in there, but when I was in there, uh, they said they had a spare space. So I gave you the uh, late call-up, didn't I? And that is the reason why you had to grab some, uh, you know, emergency shoes, because there is like a quite a strict dress code to get into the boxes in the Trinity. So, yeah, a late call-up, but you got there in the end, didn't you? Quarter to one, I was literally about to leave for Villa Park, um, <laughs> and I got the summons from you. So, it was a it was, it was was a good job I was wearing. I was already wearing a fairly smartish. Uh, jumper and uh, just a pair of jeans so that was all right but yeah it was a footwear situation wasn't it so I had my uh, had my trainers on and I didn't well we didn't think I'd be able to get in with my trainers on so that's asked my daddy if I could borrow some shoes but he he wears the size 13 and they were like flippers on me so um I couldn't wear them so yeah I ended up having to borrow my 13 year old nephew's um shoe, uh, school school shoes absolute battered school shoes that he plays football on, on, on a lunchtime with at school so yeah, it was it was interesting, but but they were the right size, so you know, happy yeah, days. Yeah, that, that blew my mind. What your nephew's who's thirteen? He's got size twelve feet. That's yeah. mental. Yeah, we don't make him small in my family. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a he's, he's a big rugby lad. So uh, help me out anyway. Yeah, the loot box experience though was good, wasn't it? I think were you in the box when Ian Taylor popped his head in? I'm not sure, but that was really good. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. I think Ian Taylor's guest for the day was Juan Pablo Angel. Everyone saw that he was at Villa Park yesterday, but he didn't show his face unfortunately. Although Brian Little walked up the stairs with me to the box. That was a good laugh he can talk for england brian little bless him but now nah, he's really lovely that was really really good um but free drinks the food was decent uh, on the menu i had tomato soup a roast chicken dinner and the um dessert was an upside down pear cake which probably wasn't cooked um so that's the only downside but it was it was such a good experience wasn't it and the view from the trinity is so good like i sat there uh for the stevenage game i sat in the opportunity i, I love the atmosphere in the upper hole i do but it, 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 the view is so good. It'd be good if you could have that balance, wouldn't it, between the atmosphere and the view. But it, it was so good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, hospitality. I mean, it's just uh, it's great, isn't it? You get wined and dined, and I suppose for the 
for the you know the normal supporter like ourselves who don't get that, don't get that opportunity very often. It's just uh, yeah, it's another it's a different level, isn't it? So yeah, it was really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, thanks to the guys at Luke. It was it was it was really good. Yeah, big shout out to Luke. Unfortunately, we we walked out just before kickoff, and you could still hear that horrible horrible bangerang from from inside the box. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if anyone gets on board with that as well or hates it as much as I do. It's 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 so bad. They play it about what ten minutes before kickoff. I don't know why. I swear they turn it up. If people listening who go to Villa Park regularly will understand what I'm what, where I'm coming from. But honestly, mate, it does my absolute head. What do you think? Like what what do they do? It feels like you know that scene in the Sunderland to I Die documentary where they're all gathered around the table and they're talking about what song they should play before kickoff and how to get the fans up for it. It feels like someone's just like span a wheel of ter- terrible songs and decided on that one. You got to try and build people up and you got to try and get the, the atmosphere building through, through a track. If you try and think about the atmosphere that Chris and I agree that we're kind of great, we want it to be rocking in there and a bit, a little bit mad, a little bit like people, some of the fans take pride in the fact this place is going to be a bit noisier, a bit more in your face. One thing I would say is that it doesn't matter what you play unless you get a new PA system. It's so bizarre, but like before the game, it seems like just don't play stupid loud songs. I don't get it. It really does my head in. I think the thing that annoys me though is that we don't play like, we don't play many songs which have an actual association to Aston, Aston Villa though, do we? We play just exactly. that. I mean, what is, what is it? It's not even music, is it? Um, but <laughs> We sound like old men here, but honestly. We do, crap. but it's awful. Like, just, I don't know, like, to play something normal, like, play something that's associated with Aston Villa. We've got plenty of, plenty of songs in the repertoire. Sure, surely we could find something, find something better than that. And, I wish the club would just listen to us, you know. Like, I'm, I'm mm. sure that the fans who go every week know know what we're talking about, and the vast majority of the fan base absolutely hates that. I mean, if you're in the North Stand, I don't know what it's like in the whole time, but if you're in the North Stand, you literally can't talk to the person next to you because it's that loud. There is so much potential, though, isn't there, with like artists. You've got Duran Duran, Ozzy Osbourne, and we've done it, though. We've done it before. I don't know why they seem to change it, and the feedback can't be good. It's absolutely horrendous. I put a tweet out a few weeks ago about it, and it got yeah, some really, really good yeah. traction. Like People were agreeing, saying it's it's awful. Um, so if anyone from the club is listening, please, please, please stop that. That is what my one ask. I don't care what goes on the pitch, right? Just please, please sort that out. Something else about the box as well. Halftime carrot cake, absolutely not messing about. It was so, so good. And you could stay in the box about an hour and a half after the game as well. Dan Bardell, by the way, absolutely loved the cheese board. I'm going to dig him out here. He loved the cheese board. So he's he's used to all this hospitality stuff because he's he's a you know he's, he's <laughs> quite famous now. So yeah, the cheese board was good, but um, it was just all round such a good experience. I just want to give a massive massive shout out um, to Luke for inviting us into the box. Obviously, I'll be mm-hmm. back in the whole scent in a couple of weeks for the Bournemouth game, but a one off experience. Honestly, cannot complain at all. We went out afterwards as well, didn't we? Into Digbeth. I mean, there's already yeah. previously been some Digbeth slander on this podcast, but it was a good day all round, wasn't it? There was um, a live band on. We went to Norton's in Digbeth, live band on, and look, uh, quite funny. One of the the blokes in the band was someone we recognised from the Villa away days, wasn't it? So that that was quite bizarre. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. One one of the chaps in the in the band, someone I know pretty well, Tommy Tommy Dignan in the in the in the <laughs> band. Yeah, give a big, big bit of a shout out, top bloke, Villa home and away. So yeah, and he, he did a good job in the band last night up at Norton. So yeah, no, it was a it, it was a good day, wasn't it? A really good day. And obviously we went out afterwards, had a few drinks, and uh, celebrated a, another three points for for the mighty Villa, which is always welcome, isn't it? Right. Let's get into the game. And there's only one place to start, Simon. It's, it's becoming quite a, a bit of a thing on this podcast. Unai Emery Fashion Watch. Have you seen what he was wearing? Because from the loot box, it looks like he was wearing a loot coat, but unfortunately it wasn't. He was wearing a standard coat, a jumper, and a scarf. You know, he loves a scarf. What did you make of his outfit this week? Yeah, I liked it again. It was it was fairly, fairly <laughs> simple. 
fairly simple, but he, it was fresh and uh, yeah. All I, although I did I did mention to you, didn't I? Uh, was it midway through the first half? How how much hair gel he appeared to have in his hair? It felt like he, he was using quite a lot of hair gel yesterday. That was the one thing I did notice. On Uno, if we talk about Unai Emery watch, that is the that is my one takeaway was that he looked like he'd used a whole tub of that fifty p hair gel that you get from like Boots or Superdrug. But yeah, in terms of his attire, yeah, nice, fresh, simple. Nice little scarf. Yeah, on point. Fair play, you know, I like it. Loving it, loving it. That is the main staple of my match day, 100%, seeing what the manager's wearing. And we'll get into the serious stuff then. Team news, it was fairly standard, wasn't it? Wendia came in for Bailey, who'd uh, been in the news in the week. We'll talk about that. Moreno comes in. I think the rest was pretty much as you were, wasn't it? Pretty standard. It was, it was the 11 we were sort of expecting, wasn't it, really? It was probably the best 11 we could put out. So, yeah, a little bit weak on the bench, probably. We named two keepers again. We didn't even name nine subs on the bench. So, um, yeah, a bit weak on the bench, but it is what it is the moment but yeah yeah it was a fairly a fairly sort of predictable 11 wasn't it yeah I think going into the game you sort of knew what you were going to get we said the same thing for for Everton last week it was going to be a pretty pretty stodgy game not many chances pretty not an open game by any stretch but Zaha coming in for Palace was probably the biggest thing for me um he's he's Palace have got a similar record. It was like Villa with Grealish. Like when Grealish didn't play, Villa ultimately didn't do anything. I think Palace are similar. That he's been out for a while. Zaha. Palace have been one of the worst teams in the league since the turn of the year. No wins in 2023. Before the game, um, I was seeing Palace fans on Twitter joking that would they even be able to score a goal at the weekend? I can see where they're coming from because I, I I was always worried about when Vieira went into Palace. Was he going to be another Frank de Boer and was he really going to be up for it? Obviously, former players, or however good they are, don't always make good managers. But I think he's done a decent job and Palace are always that side, aren't they, where they're going to be sort of mid-table. Might get dragged into it this year because, they, like I said, they haven't been great. Mm. But I think you always know what you're going to get with them, didn't you? And I think going into the game, we knew it wasn't going to be the most attractive game by any stretch. No, they're quite they're quite workmanlike, aren't they? And I think that it, it sort of I think it sort of pays homage to how Vieira was as a player, though he was a very workmanlike player, and that's how his Palace team are like. They can be fairly easy on the eye, though. That's the thing. Like they're not they're they're, mm. they're not a negative side by any stretch of the imagination, but they are quite a physical sort of aggressive sort of side, and uh, it's exactly how Vieira used to. You used to play the game himself but um I don't know I'm, a, I'm always a little bit surprised by the lack of their the, the lack of creativity on that side because okay they've been missing Zaha but they've still got some good players there though like Elise and Eze and players that we tear it to be you know we talk up to be really good players and so I'm a little bit surprised by the run they've been on if I'm being honest I think they're a lot better than what they've been what they have been showing um, obviously, obviously Zaha's a big player for them. He's, he's he's their sort of Grealish was to us, and I think Zaha's a brilliant player. I mean, I'd love to have him down at Villa. He's a he's a bit of a hothead, but yeah, he's 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 a brilliant player. And he just stand out amongst the rest of them. But they have got other good players as well, and so it just it just surprised me a little bit that they've been in the position that they that they are in. Yeah, you mentioned it already. Elise as a good player, Zaha's very very decent, and he's one of them players that if he plays for your side, you'd absolutely love him. And I agree with you if he if he came to Villa in the summer, which I don't think is out the realms of possibility like I can it's pretty realistic I'd say I mean he, he, I think Palace fans it seems to be every season like oh it's going to be the last with Zaha last with Zaha so I don't know we'll see what happens with him but I think the thing for Palace is they're missing a goal scorer massively I think Mateta who they brought in for a decent amount of money has got one goal this season yep you know who it's against Aston Guess Villa in that, that first yeah. game this season which was absolutely horrific I mean that game it feels like ages ago into Gerrard I think it was what, our third game of the season at uh, yeah. Selhurst Park it could have been six or seven that day it was honestly horrendous he scored one goal this season uh, Eduardo they got from Celtic has scored three 
three this season. Zaha is their top scorer with six. So I think they've got potential in terms of the creativity. They're just missing that striker, definitely. And that showed at the weekend, didn't they? I don't think I don't think they even tested Martinez, did they? Um, so we came off quite lucky there. And I was just buzzing with the clean sheet. Absolutely buzzing with the clean sheet at the weekend. It's the foundations that you, that, that you have to like, lay out, isn't it? To go and win a game. I think Emery was quite, he, he was quite right in what he was saying. He was saying that, you know, clean sheet, first of all, it enables you to win a, win a football match. Of course it does. And um, I think you're never, you're never going to approach every game and it'd be absolute, you know, total football every single game and, mm. you know, it being in for all. And it's not going to be like that. Not, not, every, not, not every game. And, um, and I felt like Palace did probably come to try and frustrate us a little bit, um, which they did last year, if you remember, towards the end of last season. Yeah. That's exactly how they played then under Vieira. And so I was pleased with how we defended. I mean, we didn't, we weren't tested majorly in terms of clear cut chances, but then I wonder whether that, well, that's, you know, that's probably because of our good defending. Now. I think that was because of our good sort of defensive line and our structures throughout the team. Um, I thought we defended really well and we didn't give up many chances. And so rather than saying that's just a blunt Crystal Palace attack, I'd also give a pat on the back to our sort of defenders and, and our midfielders as well. Because I thought we, I thought we, we frustrated them. Um, I thought they, yeah. you know, they they probably came to Villa Park with a with the aim to frustrate us usually. But I thought we sort of did a number on them yesterday in terms of that. Could have been very different with the disallowed goal though, couldn't it? I think it was it was a really it was quite a cagey start, obviously. But that was a it was a good ball through from uh, SA. I think. In the end, Consta's movement where he looks like he gets beaten by Zahari actually does really well because he plays him offside. Um, it comes from Buendia being dispossessed, though, which is a little bit annoying. I think that was a theme of the afternoon, sort of. Being a little bit slow, decision-making could have been quicker. Um, but luckily, that was offside, and that was a massive, massive wake-up call, wasn't it? Yeah, he lost the ball, Buendia, didn't he? In a, in a decent position, um, and we were quite sort of high up the pitch at that point. And, um, but the defensive line reacted really quickly, didn't they? They all got into position very quickly and, uh, and managed mm. to... And managed to just put him in that offside position, which um, is no easy feat because he's very, very quick Zahar as well. Um, that's the one thing with his game; he's very quick and intelligent. And so, um, see, I thought he'd beat the offside trap. I'm being honest with you. I thought he, I thought yeah. he was on. I, I really did. But then, as obviously the VAR start, the VAR gets put on the screen, and then the longer it takes, you think, okay, well, there's obviously going to be something that they're really looking at, in te- uh, you know, intensively here. And then, yeah, it was. It was offside. And I, I don't know. I w- w- would I say it's a let off? I probably wouldn't say it's a let off because again, it's good defending isn't it? If you, if you catch somebody in the offside trap, it's good defending, isn't it? And so I know people say, oh, it's a let-off, but it's not a let-off if it's a good piece of defending, isn't it? So, yeah, fortunately, it stayed at 0-0 at that point and that allowed us to sort of, you know, build ourselves into the game because if we'd have gone 1-0 down early on, again, you're at home, the fans are sort of expecting. Yeah. Fortunately, that was chalked off um, and yeah, and then we sort of grew into the game ourselves then, which was which was really key. VAR took a good while, didn't it, with that one? And in the end, it's actually, it's not it's not that close. Like, you can definitely see Zahar's foot is, is offside. So that, that was a bizarre one, but I think when, when you're sat in the stands and obviously you, you don't have the you know that you don't have the screens to look at you can't see it yourself I think from a Villa fans perspective we were sat there thinking right the longer this goes on it looks like it's going to be called offside and uh, obviously we score pretty soon after don't we and it's a really really nice goal it comes from us playing out the back and we'll talk about how the fans react to that in a little bit but we'll talk about the goal first it's actually a really nice goal wasn't it Martinez obviously Mings gets involved Moreno falls to Kamara it's a nice ball through to McGinn and McGinn plays a lovely, lovely pass to Matty Cash. And obviously, it's an own goal. It's pretty, pretty horrendous from a Palace point of view. But again, though, it's nice football, moving it fairly quickly up the pitch. But it comes from playing out the back. And it's, it's a really nice goal. I just think people need to just chill out, chill out when it comes to playing out the back. Because look at this goal. Look at the Coutinho one against Arsenal. It works. It works. And it will only, only get better over time. 
So that's 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 my takeaway from the game. Just chill out when it comes to playing out the back. Yeah, and I, th- I think as the players get used to it, and obviously Emery will bring in some of his own players as well in the summer. I think that you know will go from strength to strength playing. I think fans have got to understand, and we've spoken about this before, but fans have got to understand that this is here to stay now. It is here to stay, and mm. um, and as you say, it has been successful in terms of the goal um, yesterday, and then the, the the both goals into Arsenal were, were were from that sort of building from the back, and um, yeah, it was a lovely goal. I mean. I'm not 100% sure about it, Crystal Palace's defending. I thought it was fairly easy for Villa to pass through the lines, if I'm being honest on that yeah. move. But nevertheless, it was it was it, it was a really good goal. I think I think the pass that absolutely makes it though is John McGinn's. I think he he picks the ball up with his sort of back to goal, facing you know facing his defenders, and um, the way he managed to to turn and sort of thread that ball through to to Matty Cash was, was brilliant. And it you know it showed John McGinn's level of performance at the moment though like he's he's just at the moment he's 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 playing really well isn't he he's really he's really found that form in terms of how he's playing how he's impacted on the pitch and um and that and that sort of pick up of the ball control it and uh and Freddie free for cash to put the cross in was just it brilliant and that and that and that set the goal up essentially it set us on our way to to to, to, to get the goal and yeah the cross comes in from cash probably not the best of the crosses, and then Anderson, he just gets it all wrong, doesn't he? And uh, and it ends up at one 0 Villa. But I thought the move was was so good. I thought that it deserved a, a good outcome for Villa, and 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 yeah, and that's what happened. We sort of reaped the the rewards of playing out from the back and playing out from the back so so well on this occasion. McGinn has been absolutely excellent last couple of games, hasn't he? And that new position that he's found, it just works absolutely wonderfully. It allows him to go all over the place. And I, I was on WM before the game, and I really wanted a, a McGinn goal before the game because it's been I think what 46 or 47 games now and that's mental I know he got an assist against Everton that's great but I I really want to see him get that goal but either way last couple of games he's been man of the match and it's so so nice to see that he looks like he's got that position nailed down absolutely unbelievable last couple of games do you know do you know something though it's not it's not a massive surprise to me though because we had this conversation there we did like earlier in the season Uh, I think it was I can't remember uh, I can't remember who who we played around that time, but um, I, I remember us going out up to town somewhere, and we was we were talking about how how McGinn has just been uh, as just you know his growth has been stunted in the last couple of years by consistently playing at defensive midfield for Villa when he's yeah. an attacking midfielder. I mean, you know, you look at his stats for Scotland, and whenever he plays, he he, he either scores or he assists or he gets a man of the match performance. And yeah, I know the opposition is not great. He's playing against for Scotland, but. You know the proofs in the pudding in, in his stats. He's an, he's an attacking midfielder. You know he likes to try and get shots off. Um, you look at him in the season when we first came back up to the Premier League, and you know he was he was adding goals to his game, and he was shooting from outside the area and stuff. And that is the John McGinn that 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 that, that is that is John McGinn for you. He does a job in defence midfield. He does, but he's not a defence midfielder. And so if you look at his stats, I'm not surprised that they're they're that bad in terms of scoring goals because he hasn't been yeah. in the right position too. And obviously he's playing a bit of a new position now under Emery and um you know, it's on that sort of right hand side, um, which is a little bit you know, it's totally brand new to him, isn't it? He's never played that role before, but it's in the it's in the attacking final further, um, and so he's going to be more comfortable than if he's playing in a in a defensive in a defensive position. And so, yeah, I'm really pleased for him. Really, really pleased for him. He's so hardworking. He always has been really hardworking, but he's starting to add that quality back to his game again, and uh, he's looking like a threat in that final third. And he always he always seems to have a chance himself as well. He had that he had that chance in the second half with the shot, and then he had a couple. Yeah, he slipped on the other one, didn't he? Um, but he's getting into those positions, which and a, and a goal a goal will come for him. No, he's a joy to watch, an absolute joy to watch at the moment, McGinn. And I just I just cannot wait for the moment he gets that goal because the way he's he's playing at the moment is pretty inevitable, isn't it? Him getting that goal, and I just think under the previous manager, 
he want Gerard sort of molded McGinn, and he caught. I, I guess he came in and he was like, "Oh, I want you to be what I was for Liverpool. Make him captain, sort of out of nowhere, playing him sort of in that deeper role. He, he just, he just wasn't wasn't right. And you're right; it's not rocket science. Just watch him play. Watch him play for the international side. See what he's good at, and just play him in the right position. It really, you look at it now, and it seems so so easy. But yeah, the moment he gets that goal, I'll be absolutely buzzing. Talking of a goal, it should have been two, shouldn't it? That Watkins chance again, though. Great football. McGinn involved again. Buendia plays a lovely ball through to Watkins. Should have been six in six. You were already celebrating, weren't you? You were already cheering. Arms in the air. You stood up, didn't you? That's so unfortunate yeah. for Watkins. I've got to. I've got to say about Buendia as well. Like it was such a great ball to thread it through to Watkins, and that's what Buendia is really good at, isn't he? Finding them sort of tight spaces um, where, he, where he can put the ball and create a chance and um, mm. it was unlucky really because I thought Brendia Brendia deserved an assist for that because it was a great it was a great ball through um, and that would have been his uh, first assist of the season by the way I know which I can't believe that he's involved in so much he's involved in so much of the, of the good yeah. play that we do going forward I can't believe he hasn't got an assist um but he's, I think he's playing quite well at the moment. I think, I think, I think, like you're starting to see his sort of um, input to the team as well in terms of his, in terms of the chances we're creating. He he seems to be unlike the end of most of the things that we create at the moment. And and I, and I just think he's he's a vital sort of cog in the Emery team at the moment. Even off the bench last week against Everton, obviously we talked about that, but he came on and changed the game in terms of um, you know his layoff for the penalty, and then obviously he scored the the second goal, and so. Yeah, he's Brenda is really important for us. And then in terms of the shot from Watkins, you know what? I think he took I think he I think he caught the ball a bit too a bit too well, if I'm being honest with you. I think he absolutely like really connected with the sh- with the shot, didn't they? Um I think if you'd have sort of scuffed it a little bit, I think he probably would have scored it. You know, and you you're quite right. I was I was on my feet, arms in the air, I was celebrating already. Um and obviously he flashed wide of the post, which was good things. We all were willing him on, weren't we? We really wanted him to get that sixth in a row, but um yeah, it wasn't to be. But I think again his all all round work rate um was just brilliant throughout the game. And there was that one where it we were under pressure in the first half when he picked the ball up in sort of our own half and he had no support around him and he just sprinted up the other end of the pitch with three or four Crystal Palace men around him and he won a he won a free kick which gave us that breathing space to sort of you know to sort of sort of move move up the pitch again and sort of have that have that you know have that time to breathe sort of thing and yeah I think he's just at the moment his his confidence is up there pity he didn't score yesterday but all round his all round play is just really good at the moment that run from Watkins was absolutely outrageous like it was it was so good and it sums him up to a T like he was absolutely surrounded no no help around him at all from a Villa point of view and he just runs and runs and runs and end up was it a throw in or a free kick I don't know but he won something for Villa it was it was free kick exactly absolutely Mm. unbelievable from Ollie Watkins that's so good and it sums him up I just want to go back to Buendia though what what do you think the future holds for him though? Because we're coming up to, to two years of Emi Buendia now, and I don't think he's he's got up to so what we know that he can do. We've seen it at Norwich. Yes, that was in the Championship, but he's he's done it in the Premier League as well for Norwich, and that was a disappointing side. Scored a decent goal against Everton. Has, has looked bright recently. Do you think he's going to be vital next season? Is he going to be a hundred percent involved? Is he going to take that sort of Bailey role? What can they play together? I don't know. I just think. Yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be a big season next next season for Buendia. And I think it's one that he needs to kick on in for sure. Start getting those numbers up as well. Because yes, he's involved quite a bit. But I want to see him get them them numbers up as well. I think he's been really good. Yeah, in terms of numbers, maybe not so much. In terms of you, if you really want to look at stats, maybe maybe not so much. But I think he's so vital in terms of how we play. though. In terms of if we want to control the football, which Emery does... Um, Brendia finds them sort of pockets of space, and he finds other people, um, you know, with with a pass that you wouldn't expect him to be able to reach. And um, I think he's been really vital to to Emery, and I think he was a victim of not 
having that sort of consistent running the team under under Gerard. Yeah. If, I'm being, if, if, if I'm being honest, and um, I, I think he's really vital to, to Emery moving forward. Absolutely, and um, and he's also versatile. He can play in that. He can play in that sort of front two role where 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 Bailey uh, sometimes sits, um, or he can move a little bit further back and play in that sort of you know attacking sort of central midfield role. Obviously, he has the four uh, the four in midfield with the two sitting, and then he has the sort of like a McGinn sort of person or a Ramsey, and then like a Brend, you can have like that Brendier sort of floating in that position as well. I, I think I think that's what gives him an edge to be in the team as well. It's his versatility. Um, I'm not saying he would play every single game. I don't. I think there's certain occasions where. He comes out the team like away at Everton last week. I think. Do you know um, what though? Did... Some, sometimes, sometimes he is better coming off the bench, though, isn't it? We saw yeah. it against Everton. I think he's he's one of them players that would be such a weapon. Maybe if he doesn't start, we get that sort of. We've got a decent size squad now. Coutinho when he comes back, Bailey as well. We've got decent forward options, so he'd be such a good option to bring off the bench, and he's proved it already. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're you're right, but I think the key thing for me with Brendia is that. We were all looking for that level of consistency from him in terms of his overall performance because I think under Gerard, um, and even before that, I'm talking about when 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 we first signed him and he was starting under and coming on under Smith, he was he was either having a blinder and you thought, oh yeah, he looks he looks a real deal, or he'd have an absolute stinker. There was, there was no like in between. It was it, it was that. But I feel like under Emery, okay, the. I think I think the goals and the assists will will come definitely, uh, depending on what role he's playing within the team. But I think his consistency has been better though. I feel like he every time yeah. he plays, he generally he generally pulls out like sort of a, a seven out of ten performance at least out, out of the bag. I I don't remember him having an absolute stinker under Emery, if I'm being honest. But if you're talking about the future, you know, Emi Buendia is our record signing at Aston Villa, and he's and he's fairly young still. Um, and so for for me, I think he's going to play a big, big part in, in, in the future under this manager. I think he's an Emery player as well. You can already see it, can't you? He's 100% an Emery player and he's played what the, the vast majority of, of well, he started the vast majority of games under Emery anyway, so I think it's pretty clear to see that he likes him and I really like him as well. I just I just feel like he needs to kick on now and I think this is the manager that, that's going to get the best out of him and we've already seen it. Just just get those numbers up and I'll be, I'll be a happy boy watching him, but he, he is a joy to watch at the moment as well. Um, but going into the second half, I think it was, there's not a fat lot to talk about. I think we'll talk about what Palace coming out being a lot more aggressive. I think there was plenty of poor challenges, some of them being punished, some of them not being punished. The SA was booked, uh, Decore was booked, and that was on the, the Kamara challenge. But they came out quite aggressive, didn't they? I think there, there's stats going around that they've had the most yellow cards or something this season. Some of the challenges weren't great. And obviously the main one results in Kamara going off, which which made Chambers come on. And it, it wasn't great at all, was that? Not, not, not great at all. No, no, and and what what annoys me though is that I feel like Kamara's injury could have been avoided though if the referee had taken the action that he should have done before that though I I was I was I see I was going mad in the stand because um, well in the box sorry because um, because 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 Decore made a bad tackle previously though he made a bad tackle only about five minutes before he he went through the back of Kamara yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't punished he wasn't even spoken to by the referee he wasn't yellow carded or anything and then he does. Pretty much the same tackle a few minutes later, and then Kamara obviously um, obviously picks up his injury and he has to go off, um, and then he makes another one on Chambers a few minutes later, which wasn't quite the same. It was just it was it was a little bit bit late and a bit clumsy that one was, but um, but again, really not a great tackle. I mean, obviously ended up in him receiving the second yellow card, but I just think if the referee was and obviously the referee became very card happy after that. Everyone was getting booked after that, even for fouls which he didn't even think were were, were yellow card offences and stuff. And but for me, if he got his cards out earlier on for tackles which should have been yellow cards, then 
you know, you, you, you can sort of avoid ha- get players getting injured like that. Um, and so that was my biggest frustration of it, really. You could see it coming. Um, and they, they were yeah. aggressive. They were physical. Some would say, well, that's the, you know, the, the, that is the game. And if you know Patrick Vieira and how he used to play, then it's exactly how he used to play. So I'm not that surprised that he's got a big defensive midfield in that sort of mould. It's frustrating for us because obviously we're, we're, you know, we, we tend to be a possession-based side, keeping the ball and stuff. And then we get one of our best players injured as, as a result of it. Unai Emery, after the game, came out and said it's not an ankle injury, more so a muscular injury in his leg. Um, so it's probably better it being a muscular injury and obviously nothing to do with the, the, the previous injury because that would have been devastating, obviously, I think. But, as you know, if it is short-term, then happy days because what, what do you do now? Then obviously Chambers came on. Didn't I think he had an okay game. He obviously had that, that mental run that resulted in one of John McGinn's chances later on in the game. It's just one of them players that you don't want him on the ball, do you? And in that position, obviously, that, that's not what you want. Um, but... You were saying you expected McGinn potentially to go back, but I think he was having such a good game. That's probably why Callum Chambers came on. Mm. What did you do against West Ham? Den Donker coming back potentially. I think he was out for personal reasons or an injury. I'm not quite too sure. But against West Ham, it probably most likely will be Den Donker. Chambers would not fill me with confidence at all. I think, yeah, I think he's, um, I think the first choice will, will be Den Donker. Um, if you look back at when Emery first came into the club, Kamara. Kamara wasn't available to start anyway. And if you remember, we beat Brentford at home 4-0 with Den Donker and Louise in that sort of uh, double pivot too. And um, and then we beat Man United at home 3-1 in Emery's first game with Den Donker starting as well. So I think it'll be Den Donker, which is okay. That's that, that, that's okay. I mean, looking at Kamara's injury, if looking looking at what he said, Emery, it sounds like he, he'll expect to be missing until, you know, sort of the international break at least. But... If you look yeah. at that, that's there's only two games until the international break, and so that's not the worst. That's not the worst case scenario, and I think it looked pretty bad when he was first going off yesterday. Um, he was being sort of he couldn't put any weight on it, could he? At first, when he when he when he was being sort of carried off the pitch, but then mm-hmm. um, as the game restarted, we we saw him. He was he was being supported, but he was walking with both feet, uh, you know, towards and down the tunnel. So hopefully, it won't be as bad as what we think, and. Um, and he's a quick healer, if you, you know, from his injury. He came back a lot earlier than he was uh, anticipated from from his injury earlier on in the season. I think that was a knee injury um, earlier on in the season. Um, but he came back. He came back very quickly, actually. And so, let's just pray that it's not too bad, and he might only miss the next two games and be back after that because he's a he's a key player. He's a key player in the team, really. And I think in terms of McGinn, it's you don't want to move him back again, do you? We're talking about no. we've just just wax lyrical about how how good he is playing further forward, and we really don't want to have to go back to playing him further back. And so, I think the the likelihood is that Den Dunker will come in if he's available to play. Um, if he's not available to play, then I think it probably will be Chambers, to be honest with you. But um, I think Emery sort of name checked him and said he's done that before for me at Arsenal, and he did it at Fulham when he was on loan there as well. So he can do a job, Chambers can. You know, whether you're really confident with him on the ball but yeah I think I think the first choice will be Dendonka so hopefully he'll be okay to play next Sunday which which, which is, is look it's not a bad replacement tab is it I think uh, I don't think I think I don't think Dendonka's you know a brilliant player I don't he's no Kamara but he's no you know he's no sort of mug either though is he I mean he he, mm. he, play, he was a regular fixture in the Wolves team for years who Wolves who were finishing top half the table a lot higher than what we were so I don't think he's any sort of mug um, and so I, I don't I don't have any particular problem with 
with playing him um, against West Ham and Bournemouth for sure. But let's just hope it's not too bad an injury to Kamara and he's back to, sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. I think Dendonk is sort of that steady Eddie, isn't he? I think you need a couple of them around the squad, don't you, to come in and do a job. And then, you know, when Kamara's back, he'll step out again. So no, if it is Dendonk, I'm, I'm not too bothered, to be, to be totally honest. And if we are, we are setting him up here to make another Stevenage-esque error, aren't we? Because that, that's probably the only thing he's done wrong in a Villa shirt. Yeah. I know he hasn't played a lot yeah. of football. That's, that's probably the only thing he's done wrong. So if it is Dendonka, like I said, not really too bothered. But but back to the Palace game, the second goal just didn't come, did it? Um, I think McGinn had a couple of chances. Obviously, that one we talked about that came from the uh, the Chambers run. I think Bailey did well down the right-hand side to, to whip it in and Gaeta saves it. But I think 1-0, you predicted it. Get out of there. It's not a pretty game. But sometimes that's just going to happen. You're not going to play pretty football and blitz everyone every week. We're a mid-table side. Like, let's be realistic. You need these 1-0 wins. And do you know what? I enjoy them 1-0 wins. Get out of there. Get the three points. And it's it's sort of so segregated us now. If you look at the table, we're seven points ahead of Palace now. We're in 11th. They're in 12th. We're actually closer to Fulham in 7th than we are to Crystal Palace. So I'm just happy to be out of that horrendous relegation scrap. Sort of be chilling. Obviously, we're still in 11th. But yeah, happy after that weekend, 100%. I think if we talk about the 1-0 win, yeah, I predicted it before the game. I said it'll be a tight game and we'll yeah, and we'll win 1-0. And that's just because of how Palace sort of play as well. And I thought that, listening to Emery's comments about he wanted to be, you know, he wanted us to be a little bit more comfortable on the ball. He didn't want us to be, you know, 100 miles an hour the whole game. He wanted us to take care of the ball and not rush everything, could just take our time and... We did that. We did that to a to a T. The thing is, I think the scoreline looks like it was a really close game. Um, and I saw Vieira's comments after the game. He was talking about how you know the own goal was yeah. the only thing that was in the game, and Palace had no chances, nor did Villa. And I thought mm, it's a bit of a biased way to look at it because he's quite right with Palace having no chances, but Villa Villa had chances. I mean, like I say, Ollie Watkins is one. John McGinn had a, a couple of really decent chances. On another day, that that game's like a two or three nil game. If, if, if we're being honest yeah. and they didn't put us under massive threat and so I think Villa sort of did sit off it a little bit when it went to 10 men and we you know we thought well they're, they're not offering hardly any threat here we don't we don't need to go you know we don't need to sort of expose ourselves too much at the back sort of thing by by throwing too many men forward and so I think Villa settled for it if I'm being honest with you um but oh, look a win's a win it's another clean sheet it's another win uh, since you know, I saw a table earlier on that form guide that since Unai Emery's come in Villa are like fourth in the form guide which is absolutely yeah. crazy when, when, when you think about it from where we were when, when he came in from where how we were playing I just think it's remarkable and um, I was talking to Dan yesterday and we and we were saying like under Gerrard he, he, you know, he, got, he got sats and Villa was 17th at the time when, when, when Gerrard got sats at the time we were staring a relegation battle in the face we really really were and you know if you'd have said at that point well, in March, you're going to be sort of 11th in the table, seven points clear of Crystal Palace um, in 12th. And yeah, I know it's frustrating that we haven't been able to get ourselves into that top half at the moment. And that will be tough because of the likes of Chelsea and Brentford ahead of us and Brighton up there, that will be tough. Um, but if you just said at that point, we were going to be sitting in 11th, seven points clear of Palace in 12th, I'd, I'd have taken that back, back in October without a doubt. I think we might have slipped into fifth in the form guide, unfortunately, after Liverpool's ridiculous 7-0 win um, against Man United at the weekend. But yeah, either way, it just gets me excited for uh, next season, doesn't it? I think, unfortunately, yes, this season, the likelihood is that we are going to finish mid-table, probably 11th, of course, but it gets you excited for next season, doesn't it? A couple of additions in the summer. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I absolutely love, love Emery. Both of us do. We know that. It just gets me excited for next season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think 
while we you know we we really highly praising Emery um, and rightly so because he's done a he's done a brilliant job so far and he's clearly a top top manager and um, he's clearly the right man for for the job at Aston Villa obviously but. I do think it's, I do think praise has to go to the players as well because I think for a long time we talked about the players at the club and we talked about how you know they they don't perform and they're sort of training ground players is what gets banded about quite a lot. But show you know what our our form since Emery's come in they are really they are performing for the manager they genuinely are performing for him. Um, they they're going out there they're 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 trying a brand new. Uh, possession-based sort of system, which we've never done before. Some of the players don't look that comfortable with it; others do. But they're, but they're giving it a right good go, and um, yeah. and I just think our form at the moment you, you can't argue with it. I mean, the only defeats we've had have been against the big sides plus Leicester, and um, and I just think that and some of them are unlucky as well. Some of them were unlucky. Uh, and so, yeah, massive credit to the manager because he's turned us around. He's he's spotted exactly what the problems were under Gerard, why we were failing under Gerard, and he's and he's sorted them out. But also a bit of credit to the players though, because it's not an easy feat to get you from where we were in seventeenth and staring a relegation battle in the face up up to sort of very comfortable mid table and on thirty four points by. By, by by early March, I think it's I think it is 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 a good achievement, and it and it gives a springboard for the rest of the season if we can hopefully mm. we stay you know we stay relatively injury free moving forward. Hopefully, not many more injuries because that's the only problem with such a, a small squad. It won't take it won't take a lot sort of thing. Um, and so if we can keep the players fit and have a strong end to the season, you're sort of excited at what 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 will be to come in the summer in terms of. Emery can you know work with the players more over the summer period and bring in some of the other players that 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 he'll want and I I would have thought there'd be three or four to come in during the summer and probably a couple more to 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 move out the door. I think we spoke about it the other week. Momentum, momentum, momentum is keys in, in this league and um, if you can get it towards the end of the season, it does set you up for a good summer heading into next season and uh, yeah, it might set us up for a bit more of a tilt at Europe next season, which is which is what we all crave, isn't it? Just stay away from the beach, Villa. Stay away from the beach. I've seen it too many times, sort of March comes, we're not fighting for anything and the season sort of dwindles. Um, so just stay away from the beach and that'll make me happy. But it just it just also shows what a good coach can do. Like A lot of these players have, have played under two or three managers now at least and the difference is is unbelievable I agree a lot of credit has got to go to the players but it also just shows what a great manager can do doesn't it absolutely unbelievable um we'll talk about a couple of low knees actually I mentioned it at the top of the show I want to talk about a couple of low knees it's it, seeing Yedinak yesterday actually at Villa Park reminded me a little bit obviously he's the, he's the loans manager um and we saw quite a lot of the Villa low knees doing okay at the weekend Aaron Ramsey getting a brace for uh, Middlesbrough in their 5-0 win Archer played 90 minutes in that game as well. Didn't score, though. It feels a bit weird seeing a 5-0 win and Cam Archer not scoring. Um, but we've got some bright prospects out there, haven't we? Um, Tim Rubin and playing in a pretty terrible QPR team. They've been on a horrendous one of form under, uh, of course, Neil Critchley, who's since gone. But they've been absolutely horrendous recently. What, who, who stands out for, uh, for you there? So Aaron Ramsey-Brace yesterday, Archer obviously doing well, Tim Rubin and Louis Barry at Salford as well. Who stands out? I think I think it's key to look at how Villa play with Emery as well and who what 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 uh, how many of these young players out alone will suit Unai Emery's sort of style and system. Um, I think when I look at it, I think he, I, I personally think he'll really like Irogbenham Iru, 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 and um, Aaron yep. Ramsey. I think, I think they suit Emery's style down to a T. I think number one in terms of um, 
the Robin and being a being a, that sort of defensive midfielder, that sort of stopper in the in the mould of like Kamara Louise can pass the ball quite well. I think he'll stand out to Emery. Um, and I think Aaron Ramsey, you know what? I give him credit. I mean, he, he went to Norwich and he was so he was playing well for Norwich, assist in terms of assists and goals before he got injured. Um, and now he's gone to Middlesbrough and. Again, he's very. Um, he reminds me of his brother. He does really remind me of his brother. That sort yeah. of direct running. You see that, um, that, that run yesterday for his goal. Absolutely brilliant. Really subbed him up. Great. Really sort of direct running, and um, and and he's and he's a, a good finisher as well. He does really remind me of his brother. I have a feeling those two will be kept next season in and around the team because I think they do sort of suit suit Emery's style, which will be good to see. Archer's Archer's a funny one. I think the only thing with Archer is that obviously in Emery, again looking at Emery's system. Um, will he fit? Will he fit in with it? And that's the problem. We play one sort of out and out striker. We've like a, I know we play yeah. like a second striker. Um, obviously we've signed Duran, who who will will be in and around it. Obviously Ali Watkins is going to be our main main person. And then you you'd, you'd think we'll be targeting another striker in the summer. Well, he already said as much, didn't he, in January that we do want a second another another striker. And so you do wonder where that leaves Cam Archer. I'd love Cam Archer to stay. I'd love him to. I'd lo- I would love him to stay. I think he's a good player. The problem is, is he going to get the game time? Um, and I, and I, I'm not I'm not convinced he's going to unfortunately. And so we're left in a bit of a tricky position. What do we do with him? Um, we've got a good asset on our hands, and we don't really want to lose him. But it might end up being one of these ones where we do have to sort of cash in because it's not you know it's he's, he's just not fitting in with with. With, with the manager's plans, even though he's a good player, um, so it's a difficult one for Archer. It's, a, it's very would be very easy for us to hang on to him just because we think he's a good player, but then he'll never get any game time, and it sort of stunts his growth. And it sort of you know yeah. it sort of floats away our our asset really in terms of how much he he would be worth to the club as well. So so some decisions to be made, but in terms of the young players, it's definitely those three at the moment. It's definitely Tim, Aaron Ramsey, and uh, and 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 Archer definitely. Yeah, I am surprised by by Aaron Ramsey. To be fair, I know he, he had a decent spell at Norwich, but if he's doing it at the top end of the Championship with Middlesbrough, who are flying at the moment, by the way, the next step is he's getting him involved in the Villa squad. I'm not saying he's going to play week in week out like his brother, but have him around the squad, look at him in pre season, see if Emery likes him. I think, like you said, Archer, it's a difficult one because we only play one striker. Aaron Ramsey, there is potential for him to be rotated. There are a few positions he could play him and he does seem quite versatile. So that that's that's a really interesting one, actually. I'll see, I'm excited to see what happens with him. Archer, I, I agree with you. I've just got a feeling that we'll cash in on him at some point. We've already got Watkins, signed Duran, who, who is your young striker. And then obviously we're going to get a new one by the looks of it. So that leaves Archer as fourth choice, and I just I just can't see him doing that. And it's not like it's it's an eighteen year old. We're talking about Cam Archer now; he's twenty one, twenty two. I think he's one of them that you cash in on. And we always talk about Villa being sustainable. You need to sell players as well. We always talk about ah, yeah. let's play, let, let's make three or four quality additions. You're talking these days with Villa in the Premier League money, forty, fifty million. You need to sell players as well. And people always talk about bringing players in. You need to be sustainable. And that's a two-way street in terms of selling players. So I can see yeah. as much as I wouldn't like it, because I'd love Kamacha to, to be a Villa for years and years and years. I really would. But unfortunately, I, I can see him maybe falling away. as you know, Similar to, to Keenan Davis, just, yeah. just letting these players out. Get a bit of money in. Can't complain at all. I think, what's, I think what sort of value would you put on his head, though? I think this is the interesting one. It's like we've got a good mm. young player who's on a, a long-term contract at the club who's performing well for... Uh, a top end championship side for sort of the second time running after his spell at Preston. What sort of value do you put on his head? It's a hard one, really, isn't it? Because it's you know you're not gonna it's not, it's not gonna be like outrageous because people aren't gonna pay it, obviously. But 
Yeah, what what sort of figure goes on his head? I, I, I don't even know. Well, look what we've paid for the top-end championship strikers. Codger, McCormack, Scott Hogan. All of them were, what, 15 million? You're talking yeah. five years on now. 15, 20? Does that seem reasonable? I'm not sure. Like you said, you've d- he's done it in the championship now. He's done it for multiple teams, multiple setups. He's proved he is a goal scorer. And we've talked about it before. They're rare. And in the championship, such a, a tight league and such an important league in terms of teams getting up to you know the, the, the dreamland in the Premier League. 15, 20 million? Does that seem realistic? Like you said, decent contract. I can mm. I can see that. Yeah, that does sound realistic does sound realistic in terms of what we'd want. But I think the problem for me though, we're talking about him being a, a top end championship sort of striker. But if we so say for instance, let's just give an example, say he doesn't move to another Premier League side, who's gonna who's gonna pay that money for him though? If if you look at maybe a Bournemouth or a Southampton who go down who have that parachute money, who have a bit of money, do they panic and mm, do do what we did? Oh who who's the best player in the championship, the striker? That's what we did multiple times. So maybe yeah. maybe someone with a bit of money like them potentially but but i suppose that would be the only clubs to do it though the, that's the only clubs yeah. who could afford to do that though the the, the, the teams with the parachute payments could afford to do that but there's no there's no other club in the championship who could afford to pay 15 20 million for a striker i think i think those i think those days are sort of gone and i, I think i mean if you look back to when we were doing it i mean we were the sort of the standouts who were doing it there weren't any other clubs really doing that at the time was there not 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 yeah. many. I, I think I think I think I think Fulham did it a little bit, kind of. Um, but over the years, Sheffield United did it with um, Brewster. Was it the lad Ollie McBurney spent big money on him as well? So there there are a very select few clubs, aren't there? Yeah. So it's it's hard it's hard for Archer because it's a bit he's that sort of top end Championship striker, but then you don't know whether he's quite good enough for the Premier League zone. So it's a bit. You know, he, yeah. he has got a very small bracket of clubs who he could move to. I mean, the ideal scenario would be for him to for him to fire Middlesbrough to promotion um, and then Middlesbrough, you know, sort of fall in love with him. Like we did kind of thing with like Tyro Mings and then them have yeah. to make the, the move permanent and pay, I don't know, pay us what, 18 million, 20 million for him. And then that's probably a deal which suits us all, isn't it really? We're talking about how he probably won't fit into Villa's plans moving forward, but then he gets a Premier League move. Middlesbrough are happy because he's a player that's fired into, fired into promotion and he's happy because he's got a Premier League move at a club where... You know, he sort of loved and he started and he's scoring goals. I, I know we it's a lot of ifs and you know ifs and buts and we're and we're looking quite far ahead. But in in the ideal world for Cameron Archer, I think that would would be would be it really, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's an interesting one, a really interesting one. I think there's going to be a bit of movement in the summer. Of course, there is with all these lone players. I'd like to see. It is not. It's been a while, hasn't it, since we've we've seen a couple of them actually thrive in the first team. Yeah. You'd say Jacob Ramsey's. The only one in recent years. Anyone stick out for me? That, that's probably it, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, J, yeah. JJ and I think Keenan Davis came through, didn't they? Um, yeah. Obviously, he's, he's out alone at Watford at the moment, so he's he, he'll he'll forge a decent sort of championship career for himself as well. And um, but then before, but then uh, after that, you're looking at the likes of like uh, Grealish, really, aren't you? There's, there's not. There isn't many more that sort of stand out in the last few years, and uh, and obviously that's where Villa have been trying to do the groundwork in the academy to to try and get to try and get more players to break through. Because when you do watch an under twenty one team, um, you know a lot, lot you know a lot of the time you might only have out of a two or three year period you might only have you know one or two who do progress into your first team, and yeah, some of them some of them go on to to have decent championship careers and and League One and League Two careers like like we have seen over the years, but. Um, it's 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 a proper dog eat dog world in, in in academy football, and um, players sometimes get you know sort of 
chewed up and sort of spat back out if 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 they're not yeah. if they're not attaining those sort of levels and uh, and it's mad really like you think about the team that won the won the youth cup for Villa a couple of seasons ago and here we are a few years on and we're talking about are any of them are any of them actually sort of sort of good enough you know maybe Aaron Ramsey will do it Louis Barry sort of not done it so far alone. I know he started to play a little bit better, hasn't he, recently? Maybe. I, I think I think the only danger I'd say of academy players, though, is that sometimes you can never tell, though. You can't tell until later on with some of them, though. So, like, you, you do get your Jack Grealishes, but they're very rare, and you know from you know from the outset that they're going to be a top, top player. But I think well, I've watched academy football for a long time, and there's some players who, who come through and I'll give an example. I remember when Villa signed Keenan Davis from 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 Biggleswade, and I watched him for the first time up front for Villa's under twenty ones. Um, and I looked at him and I thought, "Why have we signed this bloke? He doesn't he doesn't look like he looks terrible. He, he never looks like he's yeah. going to make it as a professional footballer. He he looks really poor." Um, but but to be fair to, to Davis, he he then bulked up and he 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 became a lot he became a lot better and he's f- sort of forged himself a, a career at sort of championship level, hasn't he now? And uh, and that's where that's where he probably will be for for the future. But that's not bad in England's sort of second tier. That, that's not a bad career to forge. And um, so I think that's the only thing. Sometimes I think players develop at different at different times, and some players you know develop at like an older age than others. And another example, like when Jacob Ramsey first broke through, it wasn't convinced about Jacob Ramsey if I'm being honest yeah, um, but then all of a sudden he had that little bit of exposure and experience which which they do need um, and then you know he started churning out these consistent performances with goals and assists and stuff and so it's a, it's a weird one you football sometimes you can see it from the very outset but sometimes it does come a little bit later so I'd, I'd, I'll reserve judgment a little bit I will reserve judgment, but yeah, it's uh, it's just like I say, it's just a dog eat dog world, the academy football, and uh, it's hard because we never want to, we never really want to let go of these players, especially the likes of Arch. But as you say, to be a sustainable football club um, and to keep posting profits, which Villa did for the first time in years last week in the financial accounts, that's what we kind of have to do. We have to sort of follow how Chelsea have been doing it over the years and how Man City have started to do it over the past few years. And that's where the owners want want to get us to, where we where we can develop players and then sort of sell them on for 15, 18, 20 million. And they've hardly played, hardly kicked a ball for Aston Villa. But that's the way it is and that's the way clubs become sustainable. Yeah, exactly. And look, there's three or four in there that they'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer. So either way, exciting times. Should we have a little chat about West Ham then? Wrap up the podcast talking about our next game. West Ham, Sunday, 12th of March, away. Worst away day in the Prem, mate. Been there once already. It's horrific. It's not a football stadium. Luckily, they aren't looking too great at the moment. Do, doing what we did, winning 4-0, losing 4-0. They don't look great this season. Still got some decent players and we don't have a great record there. So, am I looking forward to it? Probably not. I think he's got 1-1 written all over it. Um, but look, another away day, a side that on paper we should be beating or getting something against. So, yeah, certainly looking forward to it. It's another chance for Emery to sort of banish one of these sort of villa curses or bad records that we've got. I was reading earlier on that West Ham are, um, are one of only three teams that we haven't beaten since we got promoted um, in the league. Wow. We, we haven't got a brilliant record against them. Um, I don't think we've ever had a brilliant record against them, though. Actually, even if you go <laughs> previous to that, though, we, you know, I, I remember some wins, but I don't, I don't think we've ever had like the real upper hand over them. Um, as you say, though, the London Stadium, it's for us, it's just a, 
it's an awful away day. It genuinely is. Just a, a, it feels like, you, well, you are. You, I was going to say it feels like you're going to an athletic stadium, but that's genuinely what it is. You are going to an athletic <laughs> stadium. Um, I can't believe they left Upton Park for, for for the London Stadium. I just, I can't. But I loved Upton Park. It was one of my favourite favourite places to go away from home. I, I, for, for an away fan, it was great. Like the atmosphere around there with all the all the pubs all all on the corners. You had so many boozers that that you could go to as an away fan. Um, it used to be brilliant. West Ham away did, and yet they moved. Then they moved them to the London Stadium, which is just in the middle of punks in the middle of nowhere, and it's just pretty bad, isn't it? Um, and it always seems to be on a Sunday at two o'clock, doesn't it? Uh, it was exactly That's the same last year. I mean, it's a tough game. Obviously, they'll be fighting. They won the last home game four four nil, wasn't it? Danny Ings will probably be playing against us, so expect a Danny Ings goal. Always does against the Villa. No, I, I don't know. I'd still expect us to go there and how we've been playing away from home. It'll be tight as it usually is, um, but I could see us getting. I could see us getting a win again. I genuinely could. I think how we play with Emery. I just. I think it sort of sets us up for for success on the road, and uh, I wouldn't put it past us to to go there and get another win. To be honest. Yeah, let's break. Let's break another bad record. Emery literally did it in his first game against Man United. Hadn't beaten them at home for twenty seven years. Feels like we haven't beaten West Ham away for twenty seven years. I know it hasn't been, but I'd, I've never been there and, and seen us win. Um, so that would be nice, nice little hoodoo to break. Um, but we will wrap it up there, mate. Any final words? I'm I'm just very happy at the moment, as always. We had we had them three defeats, but it feels like we're getting a bit of rhythm now. It doesn't it a little bit. Of momentum like we said we're fifth since Emery's come in playing some lovely football showing that we're able to sort of grind out wins two clean sheets on the bounce now after conceding 11 and three so it's looking good it's looking good hopefully we can sort this home form out and have a strong end to the season yeah it is looking good and I think it's it's so nice for us to be able to go into every game at the moment no matter who the opposition is to go into every game at the moment and feel like we can take something out of the game today um, and that feels really nice, even if it's a big side or a difficult side to play. We've still got that feeling that we know that the players are capable of pulling something out, and we and we've hit a level of kind of a level of like a little bit of consistency where where you do, where you do think we're going to sort of churn out a, a performance. It's not ne- it's not quite the unknown like it used to be, is it? At the moment, it feels like you're going to get some kind of level out of the team, and like, you know, even in our defeats away at Man City where they blew us. You know, away in the first half, we grew back into it. Second half, and we performed how we know we can perform. And then, even against Arsenal at home, even though there was there was problems in that game, as we know defensively, we didn't play badly that 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 day, though. Nor did we at home against Leicester when we lost. And so, I feel like even if we haven't been getting the results, I feel like the the levels of performance have been sort of kind of consistent um, since Emery's come in. Um, and obviously, we'll be looking to add more consistency as time goes on. But it's been a really good place at the moment. Um, and yeah, it just, like I say, feels good to to be able to sort of predict uh, that, that Villa are going to come away from places with, you know, at least the points or if not three points. And uh, long may that continue. And I think what you just said about making sure we don't get on that beach too early, I think that is the, the key component for us to, 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 have a, to have a successful summer and move into next season. Exactly. Exciting times. What a nice place to end. Thank you, Simon, for joining me. As always, it's been a pleasure talking about another win. Thank you very much for listening as well. Always very much appreciated. Please do leave a review, like I've already said. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to as well, so you never miss an episode. Last week's episode was actually 10. Uh, so that was our 10th, 11th now, obviously. So uh, it's going well. Obviously, always appreciate the support. So thank you very much for that. Have a good week, everyone, and up the villa. Thank you.